Thanks for tuning in today. Recording the episode you're about to listen to was an adventure in itself. There were some hiccups along the way that corrupted some portions of the show. We did still want to share it, as today's topic was important to both of us. So we leaned into our show's name, re-recorded corrupted lines, and patched them in, which you will definitely hear. Thanks again for joining us, and on with the show. Hi, this is Jordan. And I'm Brian. And you're listening to The Quality Varies. So it's been a couple of weeks, Brian. You been have been bit. very busy. Very extremely, yes. I mentioned in the last episode that I applied for an event over on the other side of the country. I'm over in Washington right now, and there's an event over in Missouri happening throughout the summer and the year for D&D and kind of a camping thing out there. And I actually got accepted. Yay! That's awesome. So, not a whole ton of money. Uh, actually, I will count it a success if after all of my expenditures that I want to make for it, if I zero out, <laughs> uh, I'll call that a win. But uh, I think it'll be an awesome experience, and yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of excited about it. I kind of have the beginnings of an outline, and I think your group will be subject a little bit to that outline as I continue to flesh it out, and and you guys will have to give some peer reviews on it. I think. Well, I'm definitely down to do that. I'm very happy for you, man. Um, I know how great of a DM you are, and so they uh, they made a good choice in picking you. Well, it uh, it's about pirates, so I'm going about as safe as possible <laughs> with my story. That's all right. Everybody loves pirates. Oh, but other than that, real estate has been nice and busy here, and the rest of the country are continuing to have one of the hottest markets that uh, we've ever seen. But what about you? What uh, what has been going on in the household? So I moved uh, from Salt Lake to back to St. George, back to my old stomping grounds. I graduated with my bachelor's in psychology uh, last winter, technically, and uh, was just looking for work, uh, looking for a little bit more of a big boy job, and I got a call from my old boss at Desert Solace, and he was like, hey, I've got this amazing opportunity, and uh, I want you yesterday. And I said, well, let me find a place to live, and I'll be there as soon as I can. And okay, so it was like 10 days later. He, so I got a job offer, and then 10 days later, I moved um, across the state <laughs> into... A wonderful house that we're renting. Um, it's absolutely perfect for my family. And I am just incredibly grateful and blessed for my life and all the opportunities I've just been handed. Uh, so I'm super stoked to be back down in St. George. The place does look amazing that you guys are staying in. And I heard from you that your wife uh, takes a lot of the credit for her efficiency in finding such a place oh, so yeah. quickly every, for you yeah. guys to, to get I'd down here. I'd say pretty much every good thing that happens in my life can be almost completely accredited to her because she's fantastic. Uh, yeah, she just found this place, uh, texted the landlords right away, and she just sweet-talked her way into it. So, yeah, many thanks to my wife, Maddie. 
Well, that's awesome, and I'm excited for you. You said you said a lot of good things uh, on the show before about your experiences at Desert Sauce. Uh, my experience there as a client mm-hmm. was impactful, to say the least. And so during this interim period, while you guys are figuring things out, uh, oh, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's an great. exciting thing. It's uh, They actually moved centers, so it's at a different location, but it's all the same. We still teach the same stuff. It's all fantastic, you know, addiction recovery. And, uh, you know, last, last week was my first week back, and one of my old co-workers, I guess, I consider him more of a friend, he came back, uh, Shane, Shane Scott comes in, teaches these kind of lesson kind of group discussion things at Desert Solace and I set in on one of his groups last week and it just uh it just affirmed to me that Desert Solace is just such a fantastic place for me and you know and learning learning so much about how to be how do I say this how to be better just be better I don't know how else to say that. Can I suggest my experience there was, uh, yeah, my, my experience there was I learned how to be more true to myself. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of that is, uh, finding out what, uh, or who you really are. Do you agree? I would. And I think that my understanding is you want to actually dive into that a little bit here today. And that's kind of what we want to talk about. Um, real quick for the folks, I don't know if... If we've gone into it before, do you want to give like a just a the brief overhead on what Desert Sauce yes. is? Uh, Desert Sauce is a pornography and sex addiction rehabilitation center. Uh, it's an inpatient rehab. Clients come and live there uh, at the center. Um, it's it is a ranch. There are horses on the property, um, and equine therapy is a big part of the recovery process, which we can talk about later because that is also amazing and powerful and life-changing i think yeah today i kind of want to talk about uh identity and how we we kind of get confused about who we are and kind of some maybe some things that you some mental exercises that that we can run through to see where we're at and check in with ourselves so uh let's get right in let's do it now for the folks that are listening this uh this won't be necessarily a a lighthearted episode. We'll dive in a little bit. And one of the things that we love to do both in Desert Solace and for myself in recovery in general is uh, I love the fact that I get to joke as much as I get to be deadly serious about uh, about a lot of the things that go on in my life and my experiences and, and some of these topics. And uh, yeah, some of this will be some of this will be the more serious stuff for sure. So just a heads up for that. So let's talk about identity. Identities are how do you define identity, Jordan? Uh, I purposely didn't look up the definition for it, uh, and I actually have kind of a hard time giving a definition for identity. I would say a way to describe myself. You know, one method of being able yeah. to describe myself, a sense of uh, grouping. Um, that's kind of what I came up with so far. How close? Uh, how close am I to what you kind of have in mind? Uh, really close. Yeah, I think you. I think you got it there. So we we create these identities for ourselves to feel 
like we're a part of something, but also paradoxically to feel like we're unique and special. And what are some examples of, you want to throw out some examples of some of these identities somebody might put themselves into? Yeah, like big ones are like uh, people identify as their sexuality. Like I am gay or I am straight or I am whatever, right? That's a big one that people throw around. Um, Another one, um, I don't want to get political, but I am a Republican or I am a Democrat. That's a very big, popular identity that we hear about a lot. Uh, Or conservative or liberal. I am an addict. That's a very common one to hear in the recovery world. Your job title is a very common identity. I am a real estate agent, or I am a pilot, or I am a full-time student, or I am a butcher, whatever. You know, whatever you do for a living, that's, that's kind of the easiest way to describe yourself to someone you're meeting and also describe what you do most of your time. It's a tool that we use to make our lives easier, but a lot of times what, what an identity does is it gets in the way of it gets in the way or makes things harder to to experience uh, the most that life has to offer or you know experience something else other than what you know. And real quick, I want to touch base on the you mentioned, you know, identifying with your work and I know for myself it's I've ex- it's it's very hard sometimes to have a conversation with somebody new mm-hmm. and the topic of what one does for a living or what one does for work is very hard to avoid and some people you know it's even sometimes it's a game right. even a, some people discuss it as a game of just how long can you go before the first person asks like so what do you do for a living because it's just people have gotten very used to that's the main topic of, of conversation or a main topic yeah of, for uh, sure conversation i just think that's very interesting is that such a such a quick thing that many folks turn to myself included yeah me too um i don't know if we talked about it on the show but my last job up in salt lake i worked at a pest control company and uh, i've talked to you briefly about the culture there and like many kind of newish uh companies tech companies i don't know like kind of trendy companies i don't know they're kind of the trendy thing to do in a business now is to kind of cultivate this belonging and part of that is getting the employees to identify as employees of this company and that was something that i really struggled with personally because i on the one hand knew from uh, my experience at israelis that identities uh really only lead to identity crises and also it was so easy to just say i'm a service pro at aptive to just kind of be done with that uh so there was this kind of dichotomy that was just battling in my head like i know that i'm not just a service pro i'm so much more than just what i'm telling people i am which is really what we're trying to talk about today is that you're that you are more than uh anything you could identify as and i think that's where that's the big kind of the big takeaway i guess is that uh you're more than just your than anything you identify as which which is where all the problems come from and which and that's why 
we're making this distinction, and that's why we're talking about it right now, is that, you know, you're, when you identify with something, you're limiting yourself to only what you're identifying as. And I have, I had so much more to offer than just a service pro at a pest control company. And, you know, towards the end of my, my term there, of working there, um, I kind of started to believe that, like, that's all I was, was I, I'm just uh entry-level worker at a pest control and that was really hard for me mentally to kind of deal with um even though i knew you know somewhere somewhere in my mind i knew that i was that none of what i was thinking was true but you know that part of me that just kind of got sucked into their to that culture started to buy into it and i kind of well, not kind of i kind of <laughs> I experienced some depression over it, over not uh, not living up to what I intrinsically knew deep down that I was capable of. And during that time that you you felt yourself, if I'm hearing it correctly, you know, placing this identity upon yourself of this connected to this work after the fact, uh, is there a different truth that you can look at the past now and kind of describe? I mean, what? The direct question, I mean, what was the truth of that oh, the, situation? Versus yeah, reality the... was that I was finishing up my bachelor's degree and I needed something to just help make ends meet. And that's that's what the job started out as. And it continued to be just a means of income for a very long time um, until I graduated. And then that's when I started to like buy into the whole culture thing and all those problems started coming up. But now, having come out of that experience, I'm looking back and I'm just seeing that it was it is what started out to be. It was a it was a means to an end. It was a stepping stone to the next part of my life, and it it doesn't and didn't ever define me. It was something that I chose into to just for the moment. It really doesn't say anything about me or it doesn't mean anything about me intrinsically as a person that I worked at a pest control company and that's that's the that's kind of the benefit of not identifying as something uh, even though it's hard is that uh, you don't have these turmoils of not living up to yourself or or uh, I don't know not liking yourself I guess yeah I didn't like myself uh, that much after after I graduated and I was still at a pest control. So from hearing, so because of the identity that you placed upon yourself, that you were become you were becoming just somebody that is at a pest control company. Yeah, at face value and and deeper, that was different than what you had envisioned for yourself, and yeah. you stepped into sadness and and other things for that. And working at a pest control company isn't inherently a negative or, or bad thing. Absolutely not. No, yeah, it was it was very much the judgments that I placed on that and the labels that I put on that and myself. Like you said, it's not intrinsically good or bad, and neither is any identity. It's just something that I noticed, or something that I noticed and am noticing now. I think uh, I can... I can think of a lot and, and maybe that can be something the listeners think about a little bit, but you know, folks get out of high school or maybe during high school or at any point in time, somebody might find themselves. And I had these thoughts when, when I've found myself in that spot in an entry level job at a point in their life where they didn't want to be 
in an entry-level job. They wanted to be doing something different. There's nothing wrong with those type of jobs that are labeled like that. Um, But because it is different than what I want, than the judgments that I have for myself, and maybe even the judgments that I have for others that are in those positions, which, again, are other identities or judgments that I'm placing on other people without real reason, then I have this identity crisis. And I feel uh, I I put myself down for uh, something that really doesn't have anything to do with uh, with me as a person. This lines up kind of nicely. I was reading a book today, kind of lining up with my my work. It was kind of a motivational book. But in it, a gentleman speaks about becoming a real estate agent in New York. And for a time, his whole work was just a bunch of young folks that in his mind, his identity was just, he was just helping a, a find very cheap apartments that 10, 12 of them could go group up in for these extremely low rent amounts. And that was his, that was his life. People just coming to him with 20 bucks and saying they need a, an apartment in New York. And that was, that was his identity. And when somebody approached him, asking him to find them a $2.5 million apartment in New York. Uh, he didn't know what to do with himself because that didn't line up with the identity that he had accepted uh, of himself uh, doing this job in New York. Luckily for him, he, he stepped into that and, and that was a life-changing thing. But but it was very interesting to hear him describe that everything about him was kind of tied up with this, in his mind, menial work that he was doing. Um, yeah. So I just, I thought that was very interesting and i can relate to that in in some ways as far as you know this is the capacity that i can that i can do for no other reason than this is what i've done in the past yeah yeah exactly that guy you know he was pretending something that he was pretending like he was something that he wasn't he was pretending like all he was good for was all that he had accomplished like you mentioned um, you know, that's a safe place to be, acknowledging what you've done and not reaching for anything else. But uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes that's painful. Sometimes that doesn't work for us, but we hold on to it because it's safe. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what's the so what's what's the other side of that? How does one how does one start to step out uh, or become more aware? Well, you become more aware by being aware. Uh, as, as the old saying goes, at Desert Solace anyway, once you're aware, then you can start to make different choices. Like that real estate agent in New York. He, another opportunity presented himself, which challenged him, which brought him to some level of, of awareness of this identity he had unwittingly made for himself. And then he was able to choose out and choose into you know, a greater success for himself. So it uh, it all starts with awareness, and I think that's the the crux of the matter. Really, is uh, that we're we're unaware of how much we're getting in our own way. One of the things that I want to bring up is this is another thing that I learned and was able to take to heart in Desert Sauce that lines up nicely with this. Is one of the things that perpetuates that mm-hmm. is uh, negative self talk, and I was told it there, and it took me quite you know, and I'm still learning it over and over again, but. It took me quite a few instances, probably mean it, thousands, times of uh, me having this negative self-talk to myself and then people explaining what the what the reality of what that was doing to me. But when you have this thought that, no, like, oh, I can't, I can't do that. And you can kind of call me on it if I'm describing this incorrectly, but my understanding is my mind does not see any difference in that 
versus somebody else saying that to me. My mind registers that as com- those two things as completely the same. And so my my own thoughts to myself mm-hmm. in this negative um, or self-limiting, as we might say, talk or beliefs is going to register exactly the same way as if somebody were to walk up to me and say these things to me. Do I have that right? Yes. And not only that, going along with that, your your mind can't tell the difference between a scenario that you think up and something that really happened, mm. uh, which is another thing that we do. I, when I Whenever I say we, I'm not... I'm not just like minimizing. I'm saying like all people do this. This is how society has programmed us all, like all of us, not just me and Jordan, but everybody. Our minds, our brains can't tell the difference between a made up scenario that keeps us up in the middle of the night and what happened at work that day. Your brain takes both of those as equal. They have equal validity. So if you're if you're constantly putting yourself down and imagining situations where you fail, that is reinforcing your inner belief that you are not good enough. One of the to give an example for myself, I know an, an easy thing that I can think of is when I was getting leading up to the state test for the real estate license. And I'm sure a lot of people might be able to relate to a fair number of different kinds of tests that they have had to prepare for. But the scenarios I made up and, and, and I was even told my broker was very nice to me in saying that me failing, if I were to fail the test, that my job is still secure. I, I don't have to pass the test the first time to become a real estate agent at this firm. And although that was very comforting, magically that did not stop my negative scenarios I was playing in my head. And that, like, oh, that's for normal people. But for you, like, you did so poorly on the test that I am rescinding this offer yeah, to you. Yeah. You you did so poorly that you were out. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know if uh, you can relate to to uh, yeah, mind absolutely. scenarios like that. Part of my education process of education was after I graduated, I or after I was done with all of my work that so the, my last semester, I put a lot of effort and work and sleepless nights into applying for grad school. And part of the grad school application process is uh, is a standardized test. Uh, like you mentioned. And I did not have the luxury of... Oh, no. I did have the luxury of the test doesn't really matter. Because with uh, COVID, uh, many schools were waiving the test. But I uh, I was asking for advice from one of my professors at the U. And she said, take the test anyway. And if you do really good, you can still submit those scores. And, and if you do bad, then... It doesn't really matter. But I also fell into the the trap of catastrophizing the test scores before I even took the test. Like, I'm not going to do good. I'm going to do really bad, and it's going to really hurt my application. And I haven't studied enough. What am I doing? Uh, I'm not really cut out for this. Blah, blah, blah. But I actually didn't do that good. And, you know, I really, I really think that I kind of shot myself in the foot because I was... Uh, cutting myself down so much, you know, during any time I try to study, I would just, I would just look at the, the book I was studying from, and it was a, it was a tome, 
It was a big, thick book. And I would just think, what? What am I doing? I'm not cut out for this. And, uh, you know, I did I did better than I thought I would. But that's not saying much. And uh, it wasn't... The scores that I got were not in the range of the scores that got accepted they were above the minimum they were above the minimum like requirement to be able to apply but they were not in the range of gotcha uh, students who got accepted and uh and i really i really think that it was these self-limiting beliefs that you were talking about this identity that i had fallen into that i'm just a pest control guy and that's all i'm worth so that's there's something there's definitely something real there and when the reality of it was still that you had just gotten a certain score on a test that wasn't going to be marked against you. Exactly. Yeah. And and, and it wasn't marked against me. I still didn't win, but uh, yeah, that whole test was just, was just a mess for me uh, mentally. So we've mentioned a couple things here, and as far as being aware of it to start stepping out of it, how do you... So let's take one of these examples. So you're having this negative this negative self-talk or these negative self-beliefs about yourself leading up to a test and you become aware of it. So what do you do to reverse that? What What is your next action? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, after you're aware of something like this, it, uh, it can feel very daunting to tell yourself to just stop, right? Like how many, how many times have we just told ourselves to stop doing something we knew was wrong or wasn't going to help us? doesn't work super well one of the things that in addiction recovery and you can tell me if if you think that this would apply here as well but you know addiction in general um and these triggering thoughts that would come up one method is is to either write them down or depending on your comfort with others around you um verbally share it with uh with another person as well if, if they felt safe hearing it and oftentimes writing it down or sharing it with somebody made it very obvious on how ridiculous it sounded and the power in that uh, lust or um that addictive behavior that that i was being pulled towards really was lost at the foundation and maybe uh, and you can tell me if Maybe writing down some of these these negative self talks just to give it get them in front of you so you can see it in the reality that it is. Uh, do you feel like that would that would lose its power uh, or sharing it with another person verbally? Yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, I would go to my wife and just tell her tell her what I was thinking. I uh, I called my dad one time, or he called me, uh, and we just talked about the. I just talked about how I felt and my fears and everything and and they they did exactly what you said they they pointed out the absurdity of what i was thinking and saying and they affirmed they affirmed my true self not the self that not the identity self not the part of me that it was identifying as all these limiting beliefs they affirmed the real self the the real self that exists in reality not not my beliefs about myself um, if that makes sense. And that that helped. It did help. But really what I was going to say the next the next kind of step is to ask yourself to check in with yourself. Where is this coming from? Who is talking in my head? Uh, which part of me is talking? Is it the real my real true self? Or is it this identity that I've created for myself? This false sense of self that I that I've built up around my beliefs around myself, you know? And then the answer to that is uh, is usually really powerful in helping you 
step out of the beliefs and really allows allowed me to shake myself out of that and and keep keep moving in a direction that I knew would be beneficial for myself. So on the other side of it, what would I mean? What is your definition of an affirmation? A definition of affirmation. I think anything that can be taken as support of of a standing reality or evidence. Um, in in other words, something that reminds me mm. of what I already know to be true. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You mentioned you confirmed that the mind doesn't see the difference between negative self-talk or, or exactly. self-created scenarios of uh, things not working out versus those things taking place. Um, does the same thing apply to affirmations and positive feedback? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think you know this, but it, these affirmations are much, much more powerful. I mean, when you when you really like hit an affirmation that really, really resonates, you can feel it. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and it does, and there definitely is power there. I can't help but think, uh, and I don't know why this scene came to mind, but in the animated movie, the Cars <laughs> animated movie. Good, good pull. Um I don't know what I don't know any of the characters' names. It's been it's been so long. But the main car character at some point in the movie, he's like, "I am speed." Yeah, that's the opening dialogue of the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's an aff- that's an affirmation to give somebody an example. When sure. when if you've seen somebody or in the in a movie, somebody talking to themselves in the bathroom mirror, just saying, "You know, I am I am this, or I am that, uh, I am strong, I am caring." Those are affirmations that mm-hmm. folks are giving to themselves. Right. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, that's great. The affirmations that I gave and am continuing to give myself as I reapply to grad school and kind of try to figure out uh, what to do to get in at this point are things like, uh, I am capable of this. I, I have what I need to achieve this goal of getting into grad school. That's an affirmation. You know, I... Essentially, I am enough. I am good enough for this. Because that's what it boiled down to before when I was so afraid of not getting in or not doing well on the test. It was, I'm not good enough. And that was the that was the limiting affirmation that I kept subconsciously giving myself. And so now I, you know, I see that, I'm aware of it, and now I get to choose a new affirmation. I am enough. I am smart enough. I work hard enough. Uh, and that's that's starting to make a, an energetic shift uh, in my life, and I feel just tons better now. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned an interesting thing there with uh, with shame, and I know um, for addiction recovery, uh, recognizing and, and stepping out of shame and, and really seeing it for what it is, really important part of my recovery. And you mentioned mm-hmm. choosing out of shame. Uh, do you want to kind of explain that a bit? Sure. That be kind of hard i get i get people i get clients that say well that's sure is easier said than done or it's easy for you to say just stop feeling shame but it goes back to it all kind of comes back to this identity thing that uh shame comes from not feeling in tune with yourself essentially am i right that resonates with my experiences of it i know i mean for me, there's no way that I'm going to be able to step out of shame if I have, am still identifying with something that doesn't 
doesn't exactly. line up um, or doesn't do me any good. If I'm still identifying with, you know, years ago, you know, I, I was in a program to do college mm-hmm. courses while in high school. And uh, I chose I chose to identify with I just I couldn't do it. I there was no way I was going to be able to accomplish this and be one of those kids that had a college mm-hmm. degree at the same time that he was graduating high school. And as long as I hold on to that identity, uh, shame is going to be present. That that's that's mm-hmm. half the reason that identified with it in the first place. And as much as I say, I you know, okay, I'm done. I'm stepping out of shame. If I still identify with that same version of me, um, right. that's all I'm doing is I'm just saying, right? Yeah, I'm just saying it. So shame, choosing out of shame, it, it goes back to accepting reality, accepting reality at all costs, being aware that shame only comes from this identity that you give yourself. It's something that you get to notice to shift back into truly are shift back into reality i know that comes up a lot or that came up a lot and and with somebody that has addictions or you know really anything that somebody isn't happy about i'll use addiction as an example but somebody with addictive behaviors or especially you know uh, sexual uh, addictive behaviors they that could be very far off from their true self and i think socially you know socially for that particular addiction a lot of folks may um, think that shame is involved with that. And as long as I just continue to think, oh, I'm I'm just an addict and I I am these things that I've done. You know, unfortunately, there's I don't have any idea how I would step out of that shame. But when I become aware and I look at maybe some of the, my truths or somebody is kind enough to point some of them out to me and give me some affirmations and, and I explore those then all of a sudden I have a choice. I can I can look at these differences and what works better for me. Now, again, in the beginning, it was easier said than done. And it becomes easier to do for me once once I was able to do it a couple times and I and I really saw that it was, you know, it was something that was that was it that you know, it was possible. It was it was it was how things worked. Uh, it was actually something that I was able to do in my life and I'm overcomplicating explaining <laughs> that, but once I did it once, then I saw that it was truly yeah. a choice. And sometimes, you know, I, I still step in shame every once in a while these days. Uh, sure. But I I know that it's a choice. And so it's easier now than it was t- three years ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's a great point. Once you do it, you can remember that you did it. And, and then from uh, once you remember that you did it, you can just bring that into your current predicament well i did it when i was done taking the gre for me like i i stepped out of this fear and this shame then and i just like bring that into now and now i'm starting to do it now so you just you kind of teach yourself how to do it eventually uh, and you just build on it just like you said and we've just one thing that i wanted to point out though We've been talking a lot about identity in kind of one direction that, uh, you know, we identify as less than what we really are. But even identities like that are quote unquote good or quote unquote healthy, they can be equally damaging to us. Uh, Like identifying as a father and having that as like a integral part of who you are. This is kind of an extreme example and I don't, I kind of regret Picking it now, but what if, heaven forbid, that gets taken away from you somehow? You know, what do you do with yourself uh, if, if your kids 
die or divorce, you know, rips them away from you. That is as as detrimental to yourself as these as all of these things that we've been talking about about limiting beliefs. You know, this this identity of this very noble, good identity of being a father or a husband can be just devastating, bring just absolute pain into your life if it gets taken away. And then you're back in, you're back in at square one. Who am I? Who am I without this? And what do I do? And how do I act without this in my life? And, and you're right back to, well, I'm not good enough. So there's a, there's a danger there as well. And, and it's, it just, to me, it highlights the, the importance of knowing, knowing who you are beyond all of that at, at a, at a much deeper level. Yeah. Can I ask, and maybe to be the devil's advocate on that specific example, you know, depending on, depending on the faith, if any, that somebody has the identity of, of maybe being a father, depending on somebody's faith, that doesn't necessarily have to change, even if, you know, circumstances have, have really turned for, for maybe the worst on this world, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, what I think you're asking is, you know, even, even though like I have, even though there's a reason to believe that the identity is not truly gone, uh, what do I do then? Is that what you're asking? Is it still detrimental if, if there's reason to believe that, uh, the identity is not truly gone? Maybe having the identity of a, of a parent, I'm speaking from not being a parent. <laughs> I can't even take care of plants. So, um, but I guess my question for you, I mean, does that identity have to have to go away if the child is uh, taken away from you? Um, or is there a, a spiritual approach that somebody can take to that um, at that point and maintain that identity and still have it work for them? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If, uh, yeah, if you're part of a faith, like, like you and I are, that, that believes fatherhood is eternal, then absolutely you can hold on to that. And it doesn't have to be a huge uh, a huge issue, but it might be uh, because you still have to live the rest of your life without those kids. And that's where that's where the identity can kind of come back and hit you. And, and I'm not saying that you should throw away all of these identities. I still, part of my very core identity is being a father. That is, that's something that I've thought very deeply on for a long time. It's still something that I identify with, truly. But I will say that does um, keep the door cracked on shame and guilt when I don't act like a good dad. If I do something that I'm not proud of. If I, you know, yell at my kids, if I snap at my kids or act in anger towards my kids, that uh, that's a very, very easy path for for shame to come into my life. And I don't throw away, I don't discard my identity of being a dad. It's just, it's just something that I get to notice and something that I get to work on. Because I do know that I'm yeah. better than that. I like to think that I have a pretty good idea of who I truly am. Definitely never going to say that I know myself perfectly because I, I still learn things about myself. But I know myself enough to know that being a dad is something that, will, that, I, will always, that I will always have and that I'll always identify with and be proud of. Um, and, that, uh, and that's something that I do 
work on is is not not letting it be a path for for the adversary to whittle me down absolutely and yeah i was i was uh, definitely being kind of a devil's advocate for uh for that one yeah but i do kind of have a, another example that i'd like to ask you about the pandemic there are many many folks that yeah. uh, had difficulties that far surpassed anything i had to deal with and uh and I, I cannot speak to that. There were a large majority of folks, I would say everybody else in the world, that even if they weren't physically affected by that or, or their, their family was not, work uh, and daily life changed uh, drastically for a lot of folks around the world. Do you feel like there was a lot of identity crisis going on? Uh, or, I mean, do you feel like the, you know, the, there was <clears throat> the reality of it is that there was, a, you know, there is a lot of disagreements and heated conversations and, and, and emotion, what steps should be taking, taken in either direction. Uh, do you feel like any of that is from an identity crisis, from all this displacement? Absolutely. 100%. Yes. We mentioned identifying as your work. Um, how many business owners lost their business in the pandemic and, you know, and now no longer have the business owner identity? It got taken away from them. Another example of a of an identity that was working for somebody was helping somebody that got taken away and now is causing pain. And this uh, whew, getting political is uh, something I don't like to do, but I do very firmly agree that uh, the the nastiness over the past over the pandemic is. Definitely, absolutely due to identity crises, because, you know, whether you identify as conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat, any challenge to either philosophy is very, very easy to take as an as a personal attack, because that's that is me. I am a liberal. I am a Republican, and you disagreeing with me is a personal attack to my beliefs and my person. So yeah, I I absolutely, I absolutely believe that all of that is due directly to an identity crisis. I heard a lot, a lot of folks saying around me and around the world saying, I just want life to go back to normal. And that uh, I kind of make the connection with that in that um, I see that as, as holding on to um, holding on to whatever identities mm-hmm. and holding on to that normal that uh, yeah. that was going on before. And, and really in a way this, this is a conversation for yes. another day, but resisting mm-hmm. the whole conversation about resisting can be a, another yep. conversation, but exactly. resisting the reality that is. And yeah, so it was, a, it, it's an interesting thing to think about. If I can kind of present a visual, and, and this is kind of how I personally, somebody gave me this concept, and I really grasp this is this is really helpful for me to think about. And this might have been a, a YouTube that I watched, a video that I watched, or somebody told me about it. I can't really remember too much. Um, this was well before I had even gone to Desert Solace back in uh, 2018. As opposed to my identities being part of me and, and my ideas being part of me, the visual is that I just have a bowl in front of me, and all of these identities all of these opinions all of these facts that i hold to be true um are in this bowl and uh somebody somebody can walk up Mm. and point at it and say i don't like i don't like that thing in your bowl 
and that doesn't have anything to do they're not pointing at me they're pointing at what's in my bowl and that's totally fine they're uh, i have no problem with them you know saying they they like this and they don't like that or somebody may come up and say and, and says um this opinion that you have is wrong yeah or this belief that you have is uh, is wrong i don't have to be defensive about it because it doesn't have anything they're still not pointing at me they're pointing at what's in the bowl and i can deny that feedback yeah. or i can accept that feedback and i can take that out of my bowl and i can switch it with something else uh, i have not changed anything about myself that's a very mm-hmm. I, I that has remained in my head for many years yeah that is great i like that a lot uh thank you for sharing that and you can i think with that analogy you can take some of these identities and kind of put part of the identity in your bowl but kind of keep it on yourself a little bit too like for me I enjoy being a dad, so I can put that in my bowl. I like, I don't know, Jordan, what I like? I like Dungeons & Dragons. That's my bowl. Hey. I get my my little brother makes fun of me all the time for playing D&D. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't care because it's not, it just, it's not me. I'm not D&D, and so he can make fun of D&D until he's blue in the face. And it doesn't bother me because that's something that's in my bowl, so... As a really quick like aside, is uh, is your brother yeah. going to be there this month? Yes. Well, no. probably. Ah, good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I want to touch on something you mentioned, um, and uh, we keep coming back to this super deep father thing that, that you brought up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. You, met, you know, something happens, and, and because there's pain. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything wrong with pain? Uh, no, there's not. And there's nothing wrong with feeling it and hating it. Uh, pain sucks, uh, but it doesn't mean anything. It's just pain. You are not weak for feeling pain. You are not bad or broken for feeling pain. Pain is an experience. Every single human being feels pain. It's part of the human experience. I can say that because I have a bachelor in psychology. That's what I study is the human experience. <laughs> pain is part of it. It doesn't go well. I mean, you don't ever really get rid of it. It's It's always part of life so yeah i've i've been telling people a lot this this last few weeks just feel what you feel be where you're at don't don't judge the pain that you feel just feel it it's it's fine it's not bad i want to throw a couple things out there you know let's say you know you you, i'm gonna throw you under the bus before myself yes you didn't get into this college program i did not and was there pain associated with that? Yes, still, still is. Yeah. And what, uh, um, as you know, we've both been kind of taught the same thing, and I'm so glad you have a, you have a degree in this, because I th- that means I can say whatever I want, and you can just confirm or deny, <laughs> and it's all on you. But I mean, what I mean, my experience is is denying that pain is about the only thing you can do that's negative. Letting yourself feel that pain is fine. Yes. And 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 very healthy. Yes. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I'm gonna. Whatever you fight, you only make stronger. Whatever you try to avoid, you only hold on to tighter. That's why people like me study psychology and become therapists, uh, is because to get through the pain, you have to go through the pain. That's the only way out of it, is through. Uh, and that's what therapy is, really. It's, it's just it's guiding you through the pain and the trauma that you've gone through. When you come out the other side, you're, you kind of just realize that 
well, I'm not broken. I've been able to deal with this the whole time. I just didn't know how. So yeah, the, there's there's absolutely there's absolutely no other way to get rid of the pain other than embracing it. And I've heard the quote that um, pain pain is your body telling mm-hmm. you something. Yeah, it's just information. I know as well in my in my recovery. Um, there's a certain person that and I'm glad that they say it as often as they do because if they didn't, I would most certainly forget it. In addiction recovery, is is how they say it, but they say uh, we move at the speed of pain. Ooh, very good. You know, sometimes the resistance that I'm holding that I have and I'm holding on to, you know, pain is going to be the only thing that gets me to move from my spot. I've selected my battle <laughs> and I'm going to fight it as long as possible, but eventually pain is going to move me to do something different that that's very interesting to me and and again i'm grateful for um them sharing that truth with me yeah that's great i've never heard that before but that's awesome so what uh, i want to jump over we've spoken a lot about you know the the harm of identification Mm -hmm. but is there anything helpful or i mean or is there anything to be gained with with using identity uh yeah i mean we've I think we've touched on the kind of superficial benefits of like feeling, feeling worth, feeling part of something, feeling unique in your identity. There's, there's all that stuff, but, uh, but also like it gives you, your identity gives you purpose, right? Like, uh, like my identity is a dad. It gives me drive and, and motivation to, to be a good dad. It does fill a, a role and it does serve a purpose. Otherwise we wouldn't do it. And just like pain, identities are neither good nor bad. They just, they're tricky and they can, they can trip us up. But yeah, absolutely. The identities can be helpful. I think the key, the caveat there is your awareness of your identity and knowing where your true self lies in relation to, in relation to the identity, if that makes sense. Mm, I like that. Yeah. One of the things that I that I thought of is, uh, you know, and again, you can you can kind of tell me if I'm if I'm thinking down the right uh, path. I feel like I can identify with things that that don't mm-hmm. have to change. I can identify with truths that can remain constant. Uh, I think about I I was working at, I went from working at a gym that had an mm-hmm. environment that I uh, that didn't work for me. Very grateful for for that workplace though uh, taught me a lot i went from that to job to job to job that didn't uh that didn't work for me but there were parts of it um, that i could identify with um and i'll use the, my current job as as an example of that as i get to this i get to this work i don't know if it's very if it works for me to identify my whole being as i am a real estate agent because that that for example it doesn't really describe the thing i spend the most time on (laughs) um that might not be that might not work for me but what what does work for me is uh, i can walk in there and i immediately i did identify with what was happening on this team i could identify with accountability in the teamwork that was used there and uh and i could identify with a lot of the expectations that they had for me as i came to find out like these were these were expectations that that i felt you know, where I felt were right. right for me. And, and there were certainly workplaces where expectations do not line up with the truths sure. that I have about myself. And so my claim would be, is that there are some things that I can safely identify with and I, and I can attach, you know, instead of just being in the bowl, yeah. um, I can attach to myself, um, as far as personal accountability 
and and other just mm-hmm. core core things. That's kind of what I have. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I would add, I guess, I would posit that those things were always a part of your true core like real self and you've and you find mm-hmm. them where you go yes i guess i i guess when i'm using identifying that word i guess that's the that that is the yeah. new intention is that when i when i'm identifying with them i'm i'm really aligning with things are yeah. things are lining yeah. up yeah absolutely yeah i love that that's that's fantastic and and you're aware of it which which is again the key to if any of those things start to bring you pain or discomfort the awareness of of all of those identities is already there so you, you can look at each one and say are is this still working for me or is it coming from somewhere else that i just think is is this mm. so that's yeah and i like it as well because i when i identify with that you know let's say I, in the future i don't have any plans to but in the future let's mm-hmm. say i'm not a real estate agent anymore that doesn't have anything to, anything to do with my with what I've identi- identified about myself as, yeah, as far exactly. as personal accountability. Nothing has changed about that. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of want to wrap up. We, we've been talking for a while about <laughs> this. And I feel like we've got a really good understanding of identities and what they do for us and how how we can use how we can use them to better ourselves and and how we can look at thing we identify with to evaluate if they're still good for us one thing i struggled with recently is how i go about a how do i talk about this and my identities in a way that's understandable for people who don't understand this like I understand it and B how do I explain it succinctly to them so they can't understand it if it comes up I I do have a hard time with this as well um I I will say that that I do give that bowl analogy that is that is kind of what I what I give out is that's my experience and uh, Mm -hmm. and it does help me kind of explain you know there's nothing wrong with the opinions that I have or anything anything that I'm holding on to at the moment but at the same time, uh, that can be a thing. At the same time, that is, it is not a part of me. It can be separate from me, and it can also be something I'm choosing mm-hmm. into at the same time. And that allows me to choose in and out of it as I as I want. I would I would say that I, in my mind, I connect that to kind of describing identity. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I think you're right on. What uh, is there anything else that somebody should be taking away from this episode? The the last thing I'll say uh, again, I'm gonna steal from. Great Shane, uh, don't believe anything that we said just because oh, we yes. said it. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> don't believe a word of it. Yeah, go experience it. Go try it out. Yeah, and I'll do the more uh, formal uh, disclaimer. I don't have a degree. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't come back at me. Um, and if anybody else at the center hears anything I say and they're like, look 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 at this muppet. What the heck is he talking about? I'm sorry. No, yeah, you bring up a great point. Uh, if you do have some feedback for us, feel free to leave a comment or write a review. Yes. Uh, we will we'll definitely read those, and we'll we might bring this back up if you if somebody brings up a, a valid counterpoint. I would love nothing more than one of the first reviews that we get to be a deep uh, response about this episode. <laughs> 
just in the uh, in the review nothing would bring me more pleasure than just a no context response to, yes. to what we've talked about here yeah oh man i would love that so much <laughs> well thanks guys uh thanks for uh this is a bit of a longer episode uh and i i think after even after editing this will be over an hour and so i appreciate you listening and uh, hopefully you're able to you were able to take some truths some personal truths away from it mm-hmm. so anything else brad yeah uh thank you for making it this far uh pat yourself on the back because uh, that was a lot uh especially for the uninitiated uh so Oof. yes yeah uh, good job thank you again uh, we really really appreciate all of our listeners and uh give us your feedback we want to hear we want to hear what we're doing what we're doing good what you want to see us change we uh we're we're always trying to improve the podcast thanks guys